0: This is a message from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. Grace Church is affiliated with Sovereign Grace Ministries. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. The speaker for this message is Craig Kavanis, the senior pastor of Grace Church. The theme for the day that we sort of promoted ahead of time was guilt-free. Guilt-free. I mean, is that good news or what, that it is possible to live Guilt-free. It is possible to put your head on the pillow at night and have a clear conscience and to live a guilt-free life. I mean, that, that is an amazing truth. Um, I thought about this idea of guilt-free, and so I did a search on the Internet of the concept of guilt-free, and I, I, was, I was really blown away. This is what came up on the first page that I saw, one of the first things I saw was a website called Guilt Free Mom. Guilt Free Mom. Didn't see dads mentioned at all. They <laughs> have no conscience. But Guilt Free Mom. Then the next thing, I mean, this is all the first page Guilt Free Eating 10 Nutrition Myths Debunked that's a website to go to. I mean, don't right now, I know many of you have access to the web. Please don't do that now. But, uh, but you know, uh, that, that, that's worth seeing because you can look up that article and it'll tell you, you know, eat fat, have fun. I mean, it's a great article. But anyway, guilt-free eating. One called Guilt-Free Holidays. Guilt-Free Homeschooling. These are all on the first page that I saw. I began to look at this, I thought, you know, maybe this is a sermon for Mother's Day, because they all, all offer the holidays, and mom, they, they dealt a lot with women. And then I saw this one guilt-free coach. Well, you can get coached to be guilt-free. Okay, maybe that's not a women's issue. I clicked on it. Here's the, here's the theme, the mission statement, transform the lives of women. Business owners from overwhelm, overwork, and overcommitment to achieving their big goals and living guilt free without sacrificing what's most important to them personally. So come back on Mother's Day and I'll talk about this again. Guilt free drinks. I had to click on that. Guilt free drinks, and it was about fair trade coffee. All of a sudden, I should, I should probably feel bad for what I'm drinking, the coffee I'm drinking. I don't know, but guilt free drinks. Article called 15 Ways to Indulge Guilt-Free in Chocolate. If you're a guest, I'm preaching on that next week, so come back and that's, that's the whole theme. Guilt-free comfort foods, guilt-free TV, a website called Guilt-Free Hummus. Let me just say at the outset, if you're guilty over hummus, there's nobody here that can help you today. You've, you've, you have issues beyond guilt-free hummus. I never even thought... I'm getting guilty for things I didn't even know. Should I be guilty about hummus? And then here's my favorite, guilt-free showers. I thought, now you should feel guilty for not taking a shower, but if you take a shower, I don't know why you should feel guilty. Guilt-free showers. Clicked on it. It's a $3,000 contraption that you put in your shower, and it collects the water and then recycles it. I mean, I thought... So you're guilty about your Saturday secret? I mean, that's like 1850. Ma and Pa out in the farm drub a you know a tub of water on Saturday night. Pa takes a shower, a bath, and then wife and then the kids. It was like we're all bathing in the same water as a family. So if you feel guilty about the water you use in your shower for three grand, you can solve that. I just thought culturally we feel guilty about all kinds of things, and in this room today, there's folks that feel guilty about all kinds of things. Some trivial showers and hummus. I mean, relatively speaking, those are, I mean, no offense, but those are relatively insignificant areas to feel guilty about. So many things that we feel guilty about, and, you know, many things that perhaps we are guilty of and sort of silence or ignore or don't even think about. We all bear real guilt in our lives. And the power of the Easter story, the power of the account of the death and the resurrection of Jesus is that the Easter story addresses real human guilt. The Easter story addresses our genuine guilt. And the passage that we're going to read in Romans 4 in just a moment tells us that the death and resurrection of Jesus is the answer to the greatest human problem, the greatest human question, and that is this, how can I be right, me a sinful person, how can I be right before a holy God? How can I be right before a holy God? The first three chapters of Romans, which we're not going to read, we're only going to read like three verses today, <clears throat> but the first three chapters all talk about the fact that we're guilty before the God of the universe, that God is holy and we have sinned, we have broken his law, we have, we have gone against what he has commanded us to do in the scripture and we failed to do what he has commanded us to do in the scripture. And, and, the, and these first three chapters make it clear that it's impossible to be right with God based on what we do. If we could be right with God based on what we do, we, we would have to be 100% righteous and none of us are, therefore we are Guilty. This is what Romans 3, again, I haven't read the passage we're going to look at today, but Romans 3, this is what it says in the chapter before. No one is righteous, no one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And then later, there is no fear of God before their eyes. The scripture says, compared to the perfection of God, none of us measure up, and we are all guilty. And then Paul, in writing Romans, he, he turns our attention to a guy in the Old Testament named Abraham. And he says this, there's a guy in the Old Testament, Abraham, and God counted him righteous. He wasn't perfect, he wasn't a righteous person, but God counted him righteous because he believed in the promise of God. And then he says, the same is true for us, reading in verse 22 of Romans 4. That is why Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteous. Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Now, I'm going to break that section down, that one little verse, word by word, and explain it. It kind of, sounds kind of theological, kind of daunting, but it's not. It's the greatest news imaginable, and it's the key to having a guilt-free life before God. And the first point he makes is that we can be right with God by the death of Jesus Christ. We can be right with God because of the death of Jesus Christ. Verse 25, it says, Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses. Or as the NIV says it, he was delivered over to death. Jesus was delivered to death. Not ultimately by Judas or Pilate or the Roman guards that beat him and nailed him to a cross. He was ultimately delivered over to death by God the Father. This is what Romans 8 says. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He says, God the Father didn't spare his son, but gave him up. He delivered over his son. Jesus is fully God and fully man, and God the Father delivered him to death. Why? Why would God the Father deliver Jesus the Son over to death? Well, the next phrase says it. He was delivered over to death or delivered up for our trespasses. What are our trespasses? Well, you've seen a no trespassing sign. If there's a no trespassing sign, it means this is the line right here. You know, this is the property line. And don't cross over this line, or if you do, you're where you don't belong. So don't trespass. And that's true, there's a line, the scripture draws a line as to what is obedience to God. And when we cross over that line, then we are being disobedient. That is a trespass, or what we might more commonly call a sin. So, Jesus is delivered over to die for our sins, for our trespasses, our sins. He died because of our trespasses, is another way to say it. He died because of our sins. He died in place of us as a substitute for us dying for our sins. He died on account of our sins. Jesus had done nothing wrong. He never sinned. We sinned. And Jesus died for us. You see, our sins deserve the judgment of God. We are guilty. And we, des- we deserve God's judgment for our sins, his wrath for our sins. Um, but Jesus, the innocent one, is treated as the guilty one. We're guilty, but Jesus is treated as guilty, and Jesus is crucified for our sins. In the previous chapter, that we, from what we just read, Paul said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Two chapters later, he's going to say, the wages of sin is death. What what we deserve for our sins is eternal death, but Jesus pays that wage. When we say that Jesus died for our sins, we mean that he died to suffer the penalty that we should receive for our sins. He's innocent, but he's treated as the guilty, and he suffers what we should receive. And so we can be right with God because of Jesus' death for us. But he makes another point here that we can be right with God by the resurrection of Jesus as well. And that's what today's all about, isn't it? The resurrection. He says he was delivered over to death for our trespasses and raised for our justification. He was raised. Now raised, he was in the tomb, he was dead, and at some point before Sunday morning early, he came to life. He came back to life. The Father resurrected Jesus, the Son, and the result of that for us who believe in him is that we are justified. We receive justification. Now, what does that word mean? That word is so important. It's everything to what we're talking about here, being guilt-free. Justification is a courtroom term. So when we read that Bible, that word in the Bible, we should have in mind a judge. You know, like a judge with his bench and, a, and an accused and not only accused, in this case, uh, an actually guilty person condemned, ready for sentencing. That's what it means. To justify means to declare not guilty. So to be justified is to have the judge bring the gavel down on the bench, on, on, the, on, on the desk, and, and declare not guilty. He was raised so that we could be declared not guilty is what Paul says here. He's delivered over and dies for our sins. He comes back to life so that God the judge would hammer his gavel down and declare over our lives not guilty. That's what this passage, that's what that word means. Now, we don't like to think about the idea of standing before God the judge. I mean, that's a thought that we would just soon put out of our mind. And we would like to ignore an assessment of our lives and a judgment over our lives and giving an account over our lives. By nature, we are opposed to that. But the Bible says in Hebrews 9, it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes the judgment. I don't know if you think about that, but every one of us will stand before God. Every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of God, the judge, who will assess us. And we can't just make that go away. We, we like to just make <coughs> judgment and assessment and penalty go away. I, I saw a product advertised. I'm not recommending this product. Let me make that very clear. But I, I saw a product advertised. I thought, boy, this is the way the human conscience works. <clears throat> it was called the Phaser 3. If you own this product, do, please do not raise your hand. It is the latest technology in uh, radar detectors for drivers. And so, you know, a typical radar detector, well, I don't know, I've never owned one, but I've heard, is that you can be speeding, and the radar detector will tell you if there's police radar in the area, and it'll go off, and so that you can slow down and start obeying the law, which you're currently breaking. So that is the idea. The Phaser 3 takes it a whole different level. The Phaser 3 s- emits a signal so that you don't have to slow down. You can keep speeding because it takes the radar from the police car that's coming to you and it scrambles it so that you're invisible. And, and, and it's legal in all but five states, the ad says. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm sure of that. And uh, so anyway, it's legal in all but like five states. And so what happens is you can be trespassing, you can be transgressing, you can be breaking the law of the land. This isn't a sermon on speeding, but you understand the illustration. You can be breaking the law of the land, and rather than be alerted to judgment, you can just emit a little signal out, and you can erase assessment you can erase judgment. You can do away with the penalty. They advertise that if you get a speeding ticket, like in the first year or something, they'll pay it. So it's, it's covered. You don't even have to worry about it. I thought that is us. We would just like to be able to say, if I don't, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm thinking, I don't want to think about judgment. I don't want to consider judgment. If I just, if I don't ever really believe in it. It'll never occur. We want to just sort of mentally give this signal off that will block and scramble and allow us to live under the radar so that God never sees us or will never assess us. That, that may work with police radar, but it does not work with the holy judgment of God. We are all guilty. We We'll all stand one day and face judgment. And here is the good news. The good news of this passage that it's communicating to us is that we can be justified before God. That we can stand before God and have our sins completely forgiven, declared not guilty, as if we had never committed any crime whatsoever. To be justified means to be declared not guilty, and it's actually even greater than that. That's only half the story. The other half of the story is this, that Jesus' perfect life and his perfect righteousness is credited to us if we believe. Our sin is credited to Jesus. He dies on the cross, and he's treated as a sinner, paying the eternal punishment for our sin, the wrath of God the Father poured out upon him, our sins credited to him, and his righteousness credited to us. So God sees us in the work of Jesus Christ, in his death and in his life. He never sinned. He completely obeyed the law. He never trespassed. And God declares us not guilty and completely righteous, as if we had never sinned at all. That's better than guilt-free. Guilt-free is you have all your sins erased from your account, and you're just sort of there neutral justification he is raised for our justification that means he is raised so that we're not only declared neutral we're declared righteous before god it's better than guilt-free guilt-free means forgiven justification means god views you as he views jesus himself that it's possible to stand before god and be judged as perfect even though we have sinned terribly Judged is perfect because the life and the death of Jesus is applied to us. That's the good news. It's not merely a historical tale of a loving martyr who laid down his life for a cause. It's the story of God come in the flesh, Jesus Christ, who dies as a sacrifice to pay for our sins and is raised so that we can be declared righteous before God. This is justification. It's sort of like this pencil. And you think about the eraser of a pencil. It's like if our sins were written down, and the eraser just erases it all. That's the death of Jesus Christ. He erases all of our sins. His blood is shed so that if we believe in him, our sins are forgiven. But it's more than that. The pencil flips around, and written in the place of our sin, written in the spots where we have sinned, is the perfect obedience and righteousness of Jesus Christ. Our sins washed away, his obedience written in its place. That's what the resurrection secures for us. It's not just like some vague hope, some vague, it's spring, it's green, it's happy. I don't know what it is. It's just something good that happened. Oh, it's way gooder than you even imagined. It's glorious. The resurrection proves that Jesus' death is, Forgives our sins. On the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. That means the payment for our sins is finished. In the resurrection, it declares that God accepts the price that the Son has paid for our sins. The resurrection demonstrates that His death accomplished all that He said He would accomplish. And we can be declared right with God. That means we can put our head on the pillow at night And go to sleep with tremendous rest, knowing that should we die before we wake, knowing that no matter what should happen to us, that as those who have believed in Christ, we will stand before God, safe, secure, welcomed, the Bible says, to a throne of grace, loved more than we ever knew, cared for more than we ever knew, welcomed into his presence. When we see the cross, we see atonement being made for our very sins. And when we see the empty tomb, we know that that atonement was accepted by God the Father and that we are declared righteous if we believe. So we can be right with God through the death of Jesus. We can be right with God through the resurrection of Jesus. And we can be right with God through faith in the death and resurrection. And this is what's key here. It's not good enough just to know these facts to just sort of become informed of this truth. It's not good enough just to sort of mentally say, okay, that makes sense. Okay, I got that. Um, That's nice. It's not enough just to know about it, but we must receive these truths by faith. That's kind of the point of the verses. Verse 24, it says, it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead. The righteousness of Christ will be counted to us We will be declared not guilty and righteous before the judge, only those who believe, who turn from our sins and believe this truth. We must believe. Um, We must believe that that our sins separate us from our God, that our sins have brought tremendous guilt upon our lives, that the Bible calls us to live perfectly and none of us do. This is why Jesus comes. None of us do. So our sins have separated us from God and have brought God's judgment. But Jesus dies to forgive our sins, to take our sins upon himself. He's raised that we may be declared righteous. And the way we receive that is by believing. It's turning from our own good works, what we perceive as good works. It's turning from our own morality and turning to him alone. See, the message this Easter isn't, Maybe you haven't been to church in a while. Glad you came back. Now if you keep coming, you'll be right with God. That's not the message of Easter. Turn over a new leaf. Start afresh. New beginning of what I'm going to do for God. That, That is not the message of Easter. The message of Easter is you could never do enough for God to be right with God. That's why Jesus did everything for you. And now believe and receive by faith. Come and believe in Jesus. Give him your life. Open your life to him as your Savior and say, I believe in you as my Savior. I turn from the sins that you died for. Those sins were credited to you and you paid for them. I want to turn away from them and turn to you and receive new life. That's the message of Easter, that the substitute has come and died for us, the loving Savior Jesus and that he defeated death, he defeated our sins, and he's been raised to new life, and he is alive. And today, if you believe, if you turn from your sin and believe in him, you can experience this forgiveness. You can experience this guilt-free standing before God, this guilt-free status before God, this guilt-free relationship before God, not by ignoring the fact that you are guilty and that I'm guilty, not by taking our guilt and transferring it, from sin before a holy God to hummus and showers, okay? We don't transfer it to these small little things. We look at the judge of the universe and say, I'm guilty. Lord, forgive me. And he does forgive us and grant us new life. And then the Holy Spirit begins to change us from the inside. God takes up residence inside of us. And the Christian life is not just trying harder and doing more, it's God changing us from before on the, in, in the inside so that our lives change ever so slowly and we become more and more like what we're declared to be, which is righteousness before him. If it sounds too good to be true, then you're starting to understand the message. It's called good news for a reason. If it's like, that sounds fair, you, we don't get it. It, but if it sounds, wait a minute, that sounds, that's impossible. How could I be declared righteous when I'm not? How could I be forgiven without doing, paying for my sins? Without getting more religious? If it, it, when we begin to realize that, we begin to realize this is astonishing news. The resurrection changes everything because God has provided a way to be right with him, to have a relationship with him, to know him, to commune with him, to experience him by his very spirit living within us. And today you can turn and trust him and believe in him. And if you have already done so, then you today can look afresh and say, You know what? God, my standing today is not based on what I've done or failed to do, but as a Christian, I want to be reminded that my standing before you is based on Jesus' cross and resurrection. I am declared not guilty. I am declared righteous. Before God, I am guilt-free. So, Lord, in in that truth, empower me to live for you. That needs to be the impetus, the power behind living for God. And we'll talk about that next week, guilt-free living for the Christian. In the Christian life, guilt-free living, what does that look like? Today we're talking about guilt-free. How do you become guilt-free to begin with, to become a Christian? If you've never trusted him, I pray today that you would turn and trust him. I'm going to close in prayer. Let's stand together. And uh, I'm going to pray for all of us, but I'm going to pray especially for those who've not yet met Jesus Christ and invite you to turn and to trust him today on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday given that he is alive. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for this glorious good news that you are alive, that you have defeated the power of sin and death, that you have made a way for us to be right with you, God. We're not right with you based on our good works. We're not right with you based on how religious or how moral we are, for we never could be perfect. Lord, we're right with you because of what you have done to make a way. And we just want to say thank you today that the tomb is empty. And we're declared not guilty because of our faith, through our faith. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit www.gracechurchfrisco.org.